I gotta talk about something real quick before I forget. You know how my memory is. <laughs> um, the secret to stopping or starting something. You know, you want to start doing something or you want to stop doing something. Uh-huh. There's a secret to it. Okay. And the secret is, is you got to practice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, see, the... the 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 thing is, is people usually think I have to stop, or I have to do. And they don't understand that that's a huge commitment for the human, for the habitual human. And so, what you got to do is you got to practice. So you know, let's just take smoking for instance, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to stop smoking. You have to practice stop smoking, because the better you get at practicing it, the more control you'll have at doing it when you finally decide to do it. You then have the proper skills. It goes back to my um, uh, lacking or slacking. You know, a lot of people think they're slacking on something, but they don't realize that they're actually lacking the skill sets. Right. So you have to practice whatever it is, even if it's something as mundane as, man, I got to stop smoking so much. All right, well, practice. Uh, you know, when you're smoking and then you, then at some point you should try to, like when you're eating, find when you're fulfilled, like try to seek fulfillment as quickly as possible from the activity and then, and practice that, you know, I mean, just practice it and eventually it will, uh, it will all. That, that falls into the same, same thing as trying to create a habit. Yeah. Or break a habit. Yeah, well, it takes a habit to break a habit, right? Right. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, I probably didn't invent this, but I wanted to talk about it. Yeah, that was a good thing <laughs> to talk about. What is a skeptic? What is a skeptic? That's a mighty fine question right there. What is a skeptic? Skepticism has a long historical tradition dating back to the ancient Greeks. Like when the philosopher Socrates observed, All I know is that I know nothing. What happened to the Parthenon? Of course, that kind of know-nothing skepticism is just silly. If you were skeptical about everything, you'd have to be skeptical about your own skepticism. Is it just me, or has he not really said anything yet? Modern skepticism is embodied in the scientific method. It's about gathering data and testing claims made about natural phenomena. That's phenomenal! But a claim becomes a fact only when it is confirmed by investigation and observation to such an extent that reason demands our temporary agreement. Okay, so now we're getting somewhere. We test, observe, and confirm claims, then they become facts, and we're done. That's easy. I can do that. Well, not so fast. All facts in science are provisional. That means they're subject to challenge, and ultimately, even to change. Oh boy, here we go. That means skepticism is a method leading to provisional conclusions. Oh, I am getting such a headache. But some claims, such as water dowsing, ESP, and creationism, have been tested and failed those tests so completely, so many times, that we can provisionally conclude they're not true. Sounds to me like you're just a big fat claim denier. No. We do need to test and investigate claims, but proper skepticism begins with a mind open to the possibility that the claim could be true. We just need to see the compelling evidence that the claim is true 
before we believe it. Okay, that actually sounds fairly reasonable. And when claims have been tested and the results are inconclusive, we withhold judgment and continue to formulate hypotheses and theories until we gather the evidence needed to reach a provisional conclusion. Okay. I see what you're trying to do here. You're trying to sound all reasonable so that people don't think you're a regular old cynic. Well, let me tell you something, Mr. Shermer. I am onto you, and that is so cynical. We really aren't just a bunch of grumpy old curmudgeons who are unwilling to accept any new claim that challenges the status quo. Curmudgeon, hold on there, fella. I need to hop into my horse and buggy and head out to my temperance meeting. But does Grover Cleveland know you've stolen his vocabulary? Skepticism is simply a provisional approach to claims. It's the application of the methods of science and of reason to any and all ideas. No sacred cows allowed. Oh boy, my Hindu friends are not going to like that. The key to skepticism is to continually and vigorously apply the methods of science in order to navigate between know-nothing skepticism and believe-everything credulity. Credulity... That just means being too eager to believe everything anyone says. Eager. Eager. E-A-G-E-R, is that? Eager just means wanting to do or have something very much. I don't believe you, nor am I eager to do so. Ultimately, a good skeptic tries to follow the efforts of the philosopher Baruch Spinoza, who wrote, I have made a ceaseless effort not to ridicule, not to bewail, not to scorn human actions, but to understand them. Wait, 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 wait. I love to ridicule, bewail, and scorn human actions. Then you might be a satirist. <sighs> satirist. Satirist. And by the way, Spinoza, he was Dutch. Yeah, I know, but I can't do a Dutch accent. Trust me, you can't do a British accent either. Good morning. The purpose of this video blog is an official apology to Dr. Richard Dawkins, the evolutionary biologist. Recently I appeared on the Bill O'Reilly show and I unfairly and uh, uh, mean-spiritedly represented uh, Dr. Richard Dawkins. Dr. Dawkins has been critical of my work um, for the last several years and uh, unfortunately I reacted uh, by being personally offended and uh, was uh, unfair in my criticism of him in both my television appearances and in my written criticism of him. We represent two different worldviews. Uh, Dr. Dawkins represents the worldview of evidence-based science evolution. I represent the worldview that consciousness is a fundamental reality and facts and evidence are more descriptions of modes of human perception and knowing than descriptions of reality. But the purpose of this uh, blog is not to defend my worldview, uh, but to apologize for my behavior. I'm 65 years old and I need at this time to learn to listen to my worst critics without being personally offended. So once again, Dr. Dawkins, I um, understand totally where you're coming from and also how you feel about dogmatic religion and how uh, dogmatic fundamentalism in religion uh, can hurt uh, and damage uh, mankind and humanity and its uh, future uh, evolution. Uh, I also want to let you know that I'm more aligned with your thinking than with Bill O'Reilly's, 
although we have fundamental differences. But once again, the purpose of this is not to defend my worldview, but to apologize for the way I have reacted and for my behavior. Uh, I hope that Dr. Dawkins and his colleagues will accept my apology, and I do want to tell you that uh, I am open now, once again, uh, to criticism in any way or form, and I will not take it personally. I think it only helps enlarge the conversation and helps us all to think differently. Thank you for um, listening to me, which I hope you will, and I don't expect a response or anticipate a response, just uh, want to make peace with myself. Um, thank you once again. A common non sequitur among theists is that the universe has order, therefore there must be a mind to create that order. And the order is apparently comprehensible to our minds, therefore it is the product of a mind. This simply does not follow. You have uh, constants that fine-tune the universe to be what it is. You have precise laws of nature which make sense to a rational human being. So I think even from the bottom up, I'm compelled to say that there's an organizing intelligence, there's a deeper consciousness that throws out this universe at the speed of light. Chopra seems to think that the only alternative to a universe created by consciousness is a universe in which everything is random. Why would that be the case? Why does order require intelligence? The swinging of a pendulum has order. A pendulum doesn't move around in random directions, it just moves back and forth. That's order, but how does that suggest intelligence? To say that sentience is an emergent property is assuming that only brains produce consciousness. How else would consciousness be produced? Whereas, in fact, even a single fertilized cell, when you were conceived, was fully alive, was fully aware, and did not have a brain. It was present, it was aware, and it differentiated into trillions of cells, more than all the stars in the Milky Way galaxy, to create who you are. Again, the fact that order, even complex order, exists in material processes does not demonstrate that there is consciousness behind that order or controlling that order. And if you propose that sentience is an emergent property, then answer to me why there is no science that can actually give us an explanation to the most two most fundamental questions of our existence. What is the nature of the universe? What's it made up of? And why is there sentience? How do you know that there's no science that can do this? Science may not have done it yet, but that doesn't mean that there's no science that can do it. Neurology doesn't know everything about how the mind operates, but it has a decent outline for it, and we're learning more all the time. However, I don't see how Chopra's woo even attempts to explain consciousness. Why is there sentience? You know, we talk about sentience as not just human sentience, which is, of course, you know, an evolutionary process, but sentience came from sentience. And what explains where that sentience comes from? Why does that exist? How does it create other consciousnesses? And we will finish with this topic of the universe. And Have you seriously just said that a single cell has consciousness? A single cell has awareness.
What do you mean by that? That it has the ability to respond to its environment. Of course it has the ability to respond to its environment. That is so, not consciousness. Uh, so you said a while ago, atoms get together to create complexity. How do they get together? By processes which are well understood by, by a biologists. process which is random <laughs> or intelligent. False dichotomy. Intelligence is not the only alternative to randomness. This is something that many theists seem incapable of understanding. Order and intelligence are not the same thing, nor does order entail intelligence. A single cell has sentience in the fact that it can respond to its environment and express its biological autonomy. What the fuck does that mean? Have you had the experience of gratitude? Have you experienced epistemological humility? Have you experienced reverence for life and for existence? And if so, and if so, was it your neural networks manufacturing those experiences? neurochemicals manufacturing their experiences yeah. or was there a deeper intelligent organizing consciousness that was influencing the behavior of those neural networks. How much deeper do you want? Why could it not have been just the neurons? Chopper seems to think that saying that emotions are neurological activities is equivalent to saying that they don't exist at all. Does he believe that since descriptions of brain activity don't sound spooky and magical, they therefore aren't really explaining feelings that seem spooky and magical? Driven by mechanistic neural networks and chemicals, Yes, and don't let's belittle mechanistic neural networks and chemicals. They are well, very, then tell very me how they produce consciousness. I don't know. That's why we're working on it. I can tell by Deepak's smug grin that he thinks that since science hasn't answered this question, it therefore can't, and that his ideas are somehow therefore superior. He apparently thinks that if science hasn't explained a phenomenon, then woo is correct by default. He believes in a kind of woo of the gaps. I think Chopra opposes the idea that neurons create consciousness because he just doesn't like the idea. I think that he wants to believe that consciousness just exists on its own. Because if it is just a program run by neurons, then it's just not magic enough. I also think he wants to believe that the mind controls matter rather than being an activity undertaken by matter. And Chopra's nonsense isn't just stupid, it's also dangerous. This numbnut seriously believes that if you just think a certain way, you are incapable of catching AIDS. Yeah, HIV is maybe a precipitating agent in a susceptible host. The material agent is never the cause of the disease. It may be the final factor yes. in inducing the full-blown syndrome in somebody who's already susceptible. But what made them susceptible? Their own interpretations of the whole reality that they're participating in. Could that be translated into their thoughts, their feelings, their beliefs, their lifestyle? Absolutely. What a shithead.